I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. The Thought first... I'm blazing oh, yeah. my way out of it. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Well, hello, hello. It is the 1st of March, 2023. This is the COB, the stuff you need to know about the day in markets and business. I'm Nadine Blaney here with David Scott. Scotty, what happened to the green that was on my screen about 10 minutes ago? Evaporated. Like the... uh on a hot day in Adelaide. Uh, yeah, I don't know what happened to it. Uh, yeah, it was an interesting day. It was a bit of a roller coaster session. Uh, pretty deep declines at the open. Mm-hmm. Then all the turnaround. And uh, yeah, sparked by two batches of economic data. Yeah. Uh, though I will say, uh, if you're going to just talk inflation here and GDP here, yeah, I get it. But also, I think that the data out of China, because if you look at the areas of the market that uh, wildly outperformed. You look no further than the material space, you know, BHP up by 2.6%, Woodside Petroleum up by 2.5%. Now, I'm not saying that's all down to the data in China, but, you know, there are signs that this reopening is taking hold, and that, of course, spells good things for demand, and that, of course, includes the demand for our commodities, which brings me to the GDP read. <laughs> what uh, What is your assessment of that 0.8%? Sorry, 5% lift quarter on quarter, was it? Yes, it was. 0.5% lift. I think the uh, the more instructive uh, component was the 0.4% increase in household consumption expenditures. Uh, yeah, added uh, far less to uh, domestic demand than what was expected, including the services side of the equation. And really interesting as well that the discretionary spending was pretty much in line with what we saw with uh, Staples. And uh, this is the final quarter of 2022 when things were apparently roaring. Population growth was picking up pretty rapidly. Uh, It suggests that the the National Council at least are telling us that things were not all that they seemed. No. uh, We've got the head of macroeconomic forecasting for BIS Oxford Economics saying that There's little in today's data to suggest that Australia's inflation problem is solved. What do you make of that in the, uh, you know, when you think about domestic prices, you know, domestic price deflator still was up by 1.4% quarter on quarter and the labor cost measures increased by 2.1% quarter on quarter. And that's even despite weakness coming through in the public sector. Uh, It's a very complicated picture out there when you look at the economy yeah look net net i think that the uh the figures today not not just the uh, the gdp deflator the uh, the domestic demand deflator that came out but also the uh the inflation indicator uh which is released it as a separately uh today 
to me, uh, no, the lead indicators when it comes to wages, we're not seeing that real strong impetus coming through. There's certainly no evidence of a wage price spiral. So I tend to differ. No, no uh, disrespect to BIS stocks, but uh, economics, uh, they've got the credentials on the board, unlike myself. But uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, this war against inflation, while it's still a long way to run yet, uh, some promising signs coming through at the moment. Uh, to me, the biggest thing is that you know, we're seeing demand being impacted right now and that's important because that's trying to go and get uh, back in line with what supplies once we get that in place equilibrium should go i mean then inflation starts to normalize yeah i mean this is exactly and it's worthy to point out what central banks have been trying to do so the monthly cpi indicator that you're pointing to rising 7.4 percent in the year to jan um so it was the index falling by 0.4 percent in january um, that really came through in a moderation for the 3% rise in December, a 2.4% increase in November. Um, yeah, so it's, um, it's a volatile read, though, Westpac points out. Um, so it still says that it's not a true monthly price index, uh, but rather the release data for the quarterly CPI as it becomes available, and that's why they say it's volatile month to month. We're just getting used to this monthly read that comes through on inflation. This is not something that we've had for a very long time. But when you think about what contributed, housing, food, and beverages, non-alcoholic, they don't have that beer tax in there just yet, and recreation and culture, which was up by more than 10%. So yeah, really interesting components. And of course, as always, a bit of a backward looking uh, data point as well, considering we've got the RBA meeting just next week, next Tuesday, Scotty. How, how will they take this data dump today? Well, I think they're probably going to regret getting very hawkish <laughs> last month. Uh, yeah, once again, I think that uh, they're barking up the wrong tree. They're listening to the liaison program and uh, hearing all these uh, know, things about things very, very strong out there. It just it, The data just doesn't back that up. And we're seeing a lot of data uh, that's starting to go missed now. Indeed, I'd go and probably direct you towards a tweet from John Bromhead, uh, ANZ FX strategist, he put on Twitter today and just pointed out all the downside misses that Australia has seen. And indeed, when you look across the G10 FX universe, Australia is stone motherless last when it comes to data supplies at this point in time. And that's something. It's not just a one-off. It's a trend, which is really interesting because you mentioned as well that uh, that China data mm. out today. I don't want to go and uh, poo-poo it too much because I know that the, uh, the China reopening story, so many people are still clinging on to it. I'm, I'm a skeptic about uh, how much it'll actually deliver. But I will point out that we're talking about February data, we're talking about a shifting Lunar New Year calendar, and we're talking about reopening, uh, of course, uh, of the economy to the rest of the world. There are so many seasonal number wang uh, adjustments that are going to go through this data. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see a big downside miss come through in March because just things are shift around so much at this time of the year. A lot of the time with Chinese data, you've got to go and take what happens in January and March together to get a clean read as to what exactly is going on with activity. Yeah, you remind me of a conversation that I had today with Reid Ianson from Kepler. Remember, you used to speak with him alongside me, um, and we talked about the impact of China on oil prices. He said that it was exuberant you know, to end 2022, all of the hopes built into that price. But on the back of this China factory activity data, fastest growth in a decade, we have seen oil prices rise just boosting that demand outlook and the optimism. 
So it's optimism sometimes because Reid did point out that when you even look at mobility during the Chinese Lunar New Year period, it was actually half of that of what we saw pre-pandemic. So it's just fits and starts. It's not going to be mm. a slow move or, or, you know, like a fast, fast move higher in his view. There's going to be lots, um, lots for all of these various asset classes to digest when it comes to China. Yeah. Um, you, yeah. you also have to... Sorry, sorry. No, you also got to look as well. Uh, we know that uh, narrative is just as important as what actually is happening mm-hmm. on the ground in China, and uh, the MPC is kicking off as well. Uh, and I dare say that the government would not want to go and see weakness in the economy, uh, weakness in the stock market, and anything else uh, into this pretty big event that happens each year. So that's another thing to go and keep in mind as well. It might not explain anything, but that also around this time is something that you have to go and factor into uh, to what's going on when you look at. 1% plus gains across mm-hmm. all the mainland equity markets right now. Yeah, well, Hang Seng's up by 3.5%. So, yes, yeah, certainly outpacing what's happening in the rest of the Asian region, including Japan and, of course, ourselves. 7,252 is where we ended down about a tenth of a percent. A week to date down by three quarters of 1%. Now, we were sort of heavy on the macro to start because there's no need to be very heavy on reporting season today. It's the laggards, isn't it? It's the real small caps. Um, Lots of digestion going on, though, in terms of, well, not just the reports yesterday, but the reporting season in general. And that brings us to, you know, a couple of the interviews that you can listen to via the show notes. Um, Yeah, I enjoyed uh, some of the the rehashing going on today. I spoke with Greg Taylor. He's from uh, Salter Brothers. And we talked about three hits, three misses from reporting season. Stephen Wood in the small cap space joined me to talk about AP Eagers or Eagers Automotive in particular and John's Ling Group. But um, so if you'd like to get a view on both of those companies and if there is still upside left, you can do so. And Daniel Ortiz from Lincoln Indicators also talked about the good, the bad and the ugly from reporting season. So, you know, if you'd like to, to, to get some views, you can access those via via the show notes. And just for a little bit of a kicker on the retailers, we spoke with our guests on the call about super retail today. Let's take a listen to what they had to say. For retail investor, uh, what what are the charts telling you? Stay in it, buy some more. I think I think like I think stay in it. Yeah. So so because I can draw a line between where these shares came from, I, I you know I can't fault his timing though. Yeah. But if it was just out of the blue, so if it was just if it, if, if these performance rights had invested uh, within the last couple of months and it was just straight out of the blue, then I'm more concerned. But I can kind of see where right. this came from. Otherwise. The business looks very, very solid. The, the uh, half yearly report was very good. Uh, maintained margins, grew sales. Okay. There was a big, strong finish to the year last year, a, a really big Christmas. Everyone was spending yeah. big. So people still had a lot of savings. The interest rate bites really hadn't started to come in just right. yet. So that's something you want to be conscious of with these retailers. All right. So, uh, look, that wasn't a ringing endorsement. It's, uh, I guess, what you could call a double hold, you know. Uh, Many conversations I've had about the retail space, and that included James Garish this morning, which is online, Scotty. You know, just talking about the retailers in detail. There's the good, the bad, and the ugly, really, in that space space as well. And he, he was sort of 
um, looking at super retail as one of the better performers. I don't recall if he actually said it's got further upside, but you'll have to listen to that interview yourself. Um, yeah, you you were talking macro today. You're talking global view today. Any big insights that uh, our viewers should go hunt out on osbiz.com.au? I should say listeners. <laughs> oh, look, uh, go and check out the big picture. It's macro, but I uh, know Jamison Coombs from St. George Bank, uh, really great young economist there. Uh, and uh, he got a lot thrown at him in the space of 10 minutes. I tested him out and he absolutely nailed it. So really you know, helpful in explaining the really complex nature of the national accounts and then and making it simplify so what it actually means when it comes to interest rates and the like so too early in his opinion to go and start talking about the rba you know, pulling the pin on, on hawkishness but uh, certainly his uh, his aspect similar to mine as well was that the data uh, that was out today does go and bode into maybe giving a little bit of a uh, leeway for the rba to go and and, and be patient uh, a little bit more than what I was indicating last month. Uh, apart from that, uh, no, also, uh, we had a good chat today with uh, no, people in the other uh, morning. Uh, James Whelan was on uh, from BFS Group mm-hmm. in the, uh, the Global View. Also uh, had uh, Grady Wolf from Bell Direct. Uh, she had three buyers as well. So something for everyone out there. Yeah. Uh, whatever your appetite is. Surely. Sure there is. Eurozone in the UK, we get uh, housing data, nationwide house prices in the UK, which is also something people might want to hear online. So the... House price decline, according to the REA, has stalled. And what does it come down to? It comes down to a shortage of supply on the market. You know, we still, the real driver of the Aussie market is supply and demand. So you can listen to that and find it. It's online. The question is, of course, will prices, you know, it was a very minuscule rise, was like a two-tenth of a percent rise nationwide. Will that continue? And she said a lot of it, yes, yeah, interest rate policy, but a lot of it comes down to supply. Okay, so that's an aside. We get nationwide house prices in the UK tonight. We get the final estimate of February's S&P Global Manufacturing PMIs for the Eurozone and the UK. Uh, We've got the ISM Manufacturing PMI in the United States. That's going to be an interesting one with a very dependent uh, you know, Fed, they are looking at all of these data points. They also get the final estimate of the S&P Global Manufacturing, PMI, construction spending. We get Minneapolis Fed President Kashkari speaking as well. So no doubt commenting on the likely path and terminal rate for rates in the States. Call me a psychic, Scotty. Yeah. Yeah, just getting that little uh, entree dish. Uh, the manufacturing side of the equation is not as important as uh, the service side of the equation, which we'll go and get all the PMIs for that on Friday. That ISM non-manufacturing PMI in the States is going to be a big one because uh, a lot of people, I know that uh, I've been talking about in the views and everything else, that uh, seasonal uh, no problems with the weather uh, and maybe explaining that big snapback we saw in activity over the course of January. Well, we'll probably get a much better indication as to whether that was sustainable or just a blip, uh, thanks the seasonality uh, come Friday evening. So keep your uh, you know, eyes peeled for that one because it'll be pretty influential. Okay. So keeping an eye on the uh, macro picture, as always, just to reiterate where the local market did finish, um, you know, it, it, it was a, a pretty choppy day. Picked itself up off the mat after that 1130 data dump. Real strength coming through in the energy space and the materials, but just not enough to offset the other major sectors and finished down by a tenth of a percent, 7,252. Scotty, uh, so um, is it good weather there? You seem pretty happy. Uh, it's 
it's it's cool. Uh, we've had a, a pretty dry run recently, which has been nice. But uh, yeah, it's strange how you know, the start of the uh, you know, the first month, our uh, first month of autumn as well, at least by the calendar, and all of a sudden it's just got that little bit of tinge of coolness <laughs> in the air. So yeah, yeah, we there's, don't know how it manages to do it, but uh, this time last week it was 40 degrees here. So yeah, uh, yeah it could get back there in the not too distant future as well. I dare say it will. All right, um, see you soon. Take care. You too. Ciao. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.